Hello, hello again, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of the Three Point Threat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Woodcox. I'm excited to be back once again. Uh, First off, I want to say I hope that you'll stay tuned to the show as there are going to be some exciting upgrades coming to Three Point Threat in the near future. Uh, So look forward to that. Also, you know, I honestly wasn't planning on doing a show until this weekend after the draft. Uh, but there's been so much going on that I just couldn't pass it up. So anyway, let's get right to it. Uh, those of you joining me for the first time, welcome. Uh, those of you who tune into the first show, you know this already, but this show is called The Three Point Threat because uh, each week I'm going to cover three points relating to the Utah Jazz and the NBA as a whole. And you know, today's three points, first I want to look ahead at the Utah Jazz draft. That'll be the first point that I'll go over. Uh, for the second point, I want to talk about three trade prospects that have been floated around that could have connections to the Utah Jazz And then third point that I'll cover will be uh, going over some of Utah's most tradable players, talking about their trade value, what's in store in the future for them. So without further ado, let's get to it. One. Uh, So, you know, point one, looking ahead to the draft, kind of interesting this year. Normally, I'm really excited to see who the Jazz are going to draft. And I'm still excited for the draft this year. Um, Obviously, a little bit different. I think partially because the Jazz were, were good this year, we're actually a playoff team, and who they select isn't going to be as much of an instant impact. Quite honestly, I haven't paid as close of attention to the prospects um, that they could draft as I usually do. Uh, part of that is because I honestly hope they trade some or, or most of their picks, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them do that, to be quite honest. And, you know, I mentioned last week that I think we could get a clearer picture of what you know the Jazz front office is thinking about Gordon Hayward based on what they do in this draft and leading up to it. And if they're conservative in the draft, if they keep all their picks, if they decide to go young, it might mean that they feel that Hayward is on the way out. Um, but instead, if they do something drastic, if they make a big move, um, you know, if they trade the picks to move up or if they, they move players and picks to land one of the trade targets that I'll be talking about shortly, then I think it means either that they feel comfortable that Hayward is going to stay Or at least, you know, they feel like if they can further improve their case, they have a good chance of getting him to stay in Utah. So that's still kind of my take on this. Kind of who I'd like the Jazz to go for. You know, if they trade up, I I really like Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think he'll probably be gone in the early double digits, maybe around 11 to 14, that range or so. But might be a stretch to to trade up for him. But I really liked him. Um, I like TJ Leaf. Uh, I think he could be great. He probably won't go nearly as high as Mitchell, uh, but still could be gone before the Jazz's actual draft picks. Um, So I don't know. Those are two guys that I like that might be out of the Jazz's range unless they move up. If they stay put and keep their picks, I really like uh, Semi Ojale from SMU. I really like um, Bam Adebayo from Kentucky. DJ Wilson from Michigan is all right uh, for number 24. And at number 30, you know, I wouldn't mind if they took a risk and grabbed a local guy, you know, such as Frank Jackson, who, who played at Duke. Um, but played his high school ball at Lone Peak High School in Utah, or even Kyle Kuzma, who played at University of Utah. Both of those guys, I think, have have some potential, and it's always cool to, you know, especially that that low in the draft, that low in the first round, to maybe go out on a limb and take a local guy that could be such a good fit there. Um, Derek White from Colorado intrigues me. Um, I feel like Isaiah Hartenstein, who is German-American, been playing in Lithuania, he could be a fun guy to, to have behind Rudy Gobert, really learning from Rudy. Could be cool. Um, but honestly, if the Jazz do keep both their 24th and 30th picks, I, I'll be pretty surprised. Um, so I'm not exactly going into the draft with high hopes as far as, you know, these are the specific guys I hope they get. I'm just going in excited to see what the Jazz do. I think Dennis Lindsay has something up his sleeve, and it's going to be really exciting to see what he does. So, you know, if the Jazz do trade their picks, it could be to get somebody who, who's on the market. So, so let's move on to point number two. Two. Uh, I, I want to talk about three guys who have come up as potential trade targets for the Jazz. 
and that is uh, Patrick Beverly of the Rockets, uh, Paul George, and, and Danny Green. Uh, starting with with Patrick Beverly, um, he's probably the most I don't want to say most realistic, but he's the one that has the most credible you know source tied to him being connected with the Jazz. Um, and in some ways, I really like it. You know, Beverly is an excellent defender. He's an underrated three-point shooter. He shot around 39% um, the past two years combined. He's a really good rebounder for a guard. Um, he averaged last year almost six boards a game. He's a decent passer. Um, the one thing that may be a little bit of a red flag, he does have kind of a, a controversial personality. Um, he can be pretty feisty, pretty strong-willed. Um, he can talk a lot of trash. But honestly, if the Jazz rein that in a little bit, though, I actually like that about him. I'd love to see him bring some fire to the Jazz. You know, I feel like for the most part, the Jazz are made up of guys that are, are pretty laid back. You know, they're, they're pretty reserved. Um, Rudy, you could say, is the exception to that. He brings a lot of passion, some fire. Ingles, especially in the playoffs, really got under, you know, the Clippers' skin, um, stuff like that. But other than that, ever since the Jazz, you know, parted ways with Booker, I feel like they lost some of that, some of that fire, just some of that, you know, some of that grittiness. And I think that that's something that Beverly could really bring. Um, the best thing about Beverly, though, in, in my mind, is his contract. He's set to make five and a half million this year. Um, and then next year, it's five million, but it's also on a team option, which is perfect because if he doesn't pan out after 2017 18, the Jazz can just, you know, decline that team option and cut him loose. So that's a really good situation to have a very affordable contract. In a vacuum, you know, on a, on a level playing field, I would I would prefer Hill, uh, just because I do think George Hill gives you better offense. You know, he's a little more level-headed, runs the offense a little better. Um, so really, the only reason I'd like to see Beverly go to the Jazz is if the Jazz have something else in the works, where you know they need the space. Hill's going to be too expensive, uh, but Beverly can still come on and be a vet. You know, maybe they're not quite comfortable turning the reins over to Dante Exum as a starting point guard, which, which I would totally understand. Um, so they want to bring in a veteran who's affordable and then make a splash with their money somewhere else. That's where I would love to see Beverly because, you know, he's going to get the job done. He's going to be a cheap but reliable vet, um, and he's going to really help you be able to have the space to add somebody else. So there is the chance the Jazz could have both Beverly and Hill. Um, I mean, I guess that is a possibility. Beverly could play at the two, kind of like he did alongside James Harden this past year. Um, but unless you're losing Exum, I just don't feel like having both Beverly and Hill makes a lot of sense. So that's my take on, on Beverly. Next one is Paul George. Um, you know, obviously I say he's been connected with the jazz. That's been mostly speculation. Quite honestly, Paul George has been tied to just about every team in the league. A lot of people have been talking about, Oh, how could he, you know, how could he go here? Who would trade him to get him there? And, and how could he help this team or that team, et cetera. And, you know, for those of you who, who, for some chance, if you've by some chance, if you've missed it, um, you know, Paul George told the Pacers pretty much straight up. He said, look, um, I'm not planning to re-sign after, the, after this season, in the offseason of 2018, and I intend to join the Lakers. And so essentially the Pacers, you know, not wanting to lose him for nothing, are almost certainly going to trade him this offseason. And this is an interesting situation to me. Um, on, in some ways, I, I, I like that Paul George let the Pacers know at least so that you know, the Kevin Durant situation wouldn't happen where they just lost him for nothing. Um, but in a lot of ways, this kind of saddens me. Um, I mentioned last week the Pacers, um, after the Jazz, they, they are my favorite team, my second favorite team, you could say, in the league. And I'm, I'm sad to see him go. You know, I really felt like he was going to be a, a big part of that Pacers team for a long time. Um, in my personal opinion, ever since LeBron James went to the Heat, um, I feel like no Eastern Conference player has gotten closer to beating LeBron James than, than Paul George and his Pacers-led team teams. You know that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. 
Um, even before that, when they were up 2-1 in the Eastern Semis that one year. Um, so, I don't know. It's kind of a bummer to me. And um, I just have to say that it's interesting that he says he wants to win a championship, but that he also wants to go to the Lakers. And to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, obviously, the Lakers are, are far away as they stand right now. And, I mean, I get it. I know that they could flip really fast. They could be good in a heartbeat. And you have Magic Johnson there in the front office. But regardless, I still think they're a few years away. I know there's the rumors of LeBron joining them after 2018. A lot of speculation that the Lakers could be back on top soon. But I still feel like there's a lot of what-ifs there. And if Paul George is serious about winning a championship, it still surprises me that he's so dead set on L.A. Especially when you look at Indy. You know, I think they were closer than people think. Obviously, yeah, they were swept in the first round against the Cavs. They weren't ever going to beat that that Cavaliers team. Um, but it also was... The, the narrowest sweep in NBA history. In other words, the total you know margin of defeat was the smallest of any team that was ever swept in the NBA playoffs. So in some ways, they were really close. It just happened to be 4-0 um, as the final, final score of the series. Um, but I honestly think if you have a, a shooting guard that's not named Monte Ellis and a better coach, that Indiana team had a chance to be really special. So it's sad to me to see Paul George leaving. Um, that's kind of a tangent, though. Let me get back to how this rates to the Jazz. You know, the idea of the Jazz making a push for Paul George has been circling the web, and there's obviously pros and cons to it. The biggest pro is simply that Paul George is a phenomenal player. He would instantly take the Jazz to another level. That That's clear. Um, the, on the flip side of that, the risk is that he's more than likely a one-year rental. You know, like I said, he's made his intention clear that he wants to go to L.A., and as much as we'd like to, you know, hope and dream that he could have a great experience in Utah and the Jazz could convince him to stay, I honestly think that's a long shot. Um, on the flip side of this, though, the good thing is that since everybody knows he's probably going to be a one-year rental, the Pacers are going to have to sell him pretty low. In other words, teams aren't going to have to sell the farm in order to, to get Paul George. They might be able to pick him up pretty cheap. Um, to be frank with you, I don't see this one happening. I don't think that the Jazz will make a move for Paul George. Um, I think the motivation to do it would be obviously to take advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you know, bring Paul George on board and try to capitalize on this one-year window and go win a championship. And make no mistake about it, that starting lineup would be incredible. You know, a core four of George Hill, um, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, and Rudy Gobert, that, that's impressive right there. You could do some awesome things with that. But unfortunately, with the way Golden State is constructed right now, I just don't see it happening. Um, I mean, take away the Warriors and, and have a, a Jazz team with Paul George, and yeah, that's a championship-caliber team. But the Warriors, they're just unlike anything we've ever seen. And not to mention, it takes time to adapt to new teammates and new system, and I just don't think the Jazz could reach their championship ceiling with Paul George in just one year. If Paul George were attainable and he had two or three years left on his contract, uh, then sure, I'd say absolutely. It'd be, it'd be phenomenal to have him. Maybe in year two or three with the Jazz, then you can challenge the, the, the Warriors and your championship window is a little bit bigger. But having him just one year where he's likely to leave, that worries me that you know if the Jazz make a trade for him, they're going to end up empty-handed both in terms of giving up assets and not getting the championship, which would be the point of making a move for him. So I, I just don't like the feel of that. So maybe there's a trade in the works here. Maybe Dennis Lindsay is going to surprise me and, and pull this big move. You know, there's been talk of maybe favors, a wing, and some picks um, being traded for Paul George. But in my opinion, I don't see it happening. That's, that's just my take. Um, the last guy who's really been bounced around is Danny Green. Um, nothing too serious about the Jazz, you know, being in full pursuit. But I imagine they're definitely inquiring. Um, the Spurs have certainly made him available. And I like the idea of Danny Green with the Jazz. Um, obviously, he's a better three-point shooter and a better defender than Rodney Hood. 
um, but he is streaky as well, to be quite honest. Um, his three-point percentage dipped all the way to 33% in 2015-16 after four straight years of going the whole season of 40% or higher. Um, this year, he did get back up closer to 40, but still not quite there. Um, he's on a $10 million contract, so that's not bad by any means. It's a pretty good deal for, for a guy of Green's caliber. Um, and I hate to cop out and give an opinion that, that's kind of loosey-goosey, I guess you could say. Um, but I really just think this one depends on, on what the Jazz would have to give up and what their other offseason plans are. I don't know if this is a good idea or not, um, quite frankly. It's obvious that the Spurs are trying to shed salary. So, you know, looking at it that way, there is a good chance that the Jazz could possibly steal him. You know, get him at a very low price. Um, but I still don't feel like he pushes the needle enough for the Jazz where they should handicap themselves financially to add him. I feel like Green is more, he'd be more of a consolation prize. He shouldn't be Utah's top target. But if other options don't pan out, or if there's not a better player that the Jazz feel like they can truly get, uh, then Danny Green really could be a nice piece. Um, so I guess in short, I'm okay with Green. I wouldn't be bothered if the Jazz traded for him, but I would hate to see the Jazz jump on him prematurely and, this, and, then, and then miss out on other opportunities or, or give up too much for him. So, you know, we've talked about guys that the Jazz could trade for. Now I want to move on to point three, and let's talk about the guys that the Jazz would have to trade away to get those guys. Point three is a look at Utah's most tradable players. Three. So for my third and final point, I want to talk about the perceived trade value of some of Utah's most tradable players. Obviously, there's a lot of trade rumors out there right now. A lot of people are trying to speculate what the Jazz might give up to get something back in return this offseason. And there's five guys for the Jazz that are really being the mentioned being mentioned the most as the ones that are most likely to be traded. Um, that's Dante Exum, Derek Favors, Alec Burks, Rodney Hood, and Trey Lyles. And not saying all five of them would be moved, obviously, um, but a lot of the different scenarios out there have had a combination of those guys and some picks, you know, being moved to bring in one of the trade prospects, which is Paul George. So I want to talk about each of those five guys that they all seem the most likely to, to potentially be moved by the Jazz, really touch on their trade value. And fortunately, this actually goes hand in hand with a fan question that I received this week on purpleandblues.com. You know, with that, just a quick reminder, um, if you guys have any questions for me, if there's stuff you'd like me to cover on the show, I would love for you to let me know. Send me a note on purpleandblues.com. Hit me up on my Twitter. Um, I just recently changed the handle to at Jared Woodcox to make it simpler. Um, or you can reach out to the Purple and Blues Twitter, which is just at Purple and Blues One. Anyway, I would love to get your feedback, suggestions for the show. But anyway, this fan, so, so Mark, um, reached out to me on purpleandblues.com and he asked me essentially, what can we expect from guys that underperformed last year? Uh, can Favors and Burks round back into form and get healthy? Can Dante take the leap and be a better contributor? Can Lyles and Hood improve? Um, and then Mark ended his question with something really interesting. I liked what he said. He asked me, which guys will be valuable players and which are lost causes? And honestly, Mark and, and everybody else out there listening, that is exactly what makes this so hard. If the Jazz had a crystal ball and they knew that, you know, this player is going to improve, this player's already peaked, uh, then it'd be really easy to know who to keep and who to trade. I think us as fans, we tend to jump to conclusions really quickly. Um, obviously, I think the coaches, uh, the front office, the training staff, etc., the, the people that are closest to the team, they have a lot better idea of where their guys are at than we do. Um, but even for them, there's always surprises, there's always disappointments, and that's why there's a risk on both ends of a trade. You never know for sure what you're giving up or what you're going to get. And that's what the Jazz and any potential trade partners will have to balance. And the other part of it is that you know, all those guys are so young. 
I would really say that it's far too early to say that any of them are a lost cause. And just for, for proof of that, I would say look at Gordon Hayward as an example. I mean, when he received you know the max offer sheet from the Charlotte Hornets, a lot of Jazz fans were, were disappointed that, that, we might, that we matched it, that we paid him the max deal. Um, many thought that he wasn't going to pan out. But the Jazz were patient with him, and now look what's happened. I really feel like he has lived up to that potential. He's been able to improve. So I really think that these five guys that I'm going to touch on, they could as well. So I'm going to get right into it. Start with Dante Exum. Um, talk about all these guys' trade value and their future with the Jazz or elsewhere. And my message to you know the Jazz on Dante Exum would be, do not give up on him yet. Absolutely do not give up yet. Um, he's one year off of an ACL injury. This is his first full offseason of work. Um, earlier in the offseason, Jazz Twitter was going nuts over a workout video on his Instagram story. You know, it sparked a lot of encouraging speculation about how hard he's going to work this summer. And I really think he has a major chip on his shoulder. I mean, he was he was overshadowed by Shelvin Mack for most of the year. He was he was benched behind Shelvin Mack for a lot of the year, which obviously we know what, what a controversial situation that was. But really, Exum has shown flashes of brilliance. Uh, he was so, so young when he came into the league. He was only 19. And really, he's still so young. He's only 21. Um, there's going to be guys that are drafted Thursday night that are older than Exum is right now. So really, I look at him, and I think he adds some more skills, um, adds more control, and above all, confidence. And I think Exum could still be exceptional. So again, my message would be, do not give up on him yet. Next guy I'd talk about is Alec Burks. Honestly, my opinion on Burks, and most fans have already accepted that you know Burks needs to be traded. Um, that the Jazz are going to need to find a way to dump his salary so they can bring in more valuable pieces. And really, for the most part, I agree. Um, he's really been a disappointment for the most part. He had a lot of potential, but injuries have definitely derailed his career. And um, the only exception I see to this is that if the Jazz feel like they don't really have, you know, it's not a necessity to get rid of Burks's contract. In other words, they don't have anything planned for someone to bring in. They have to get rid of him. They may want to hold on to him and just see if he can raise his value. Because right now, his value is zero. They're going to get very little out of him. In fact, they may have to give up a pick just to dump his salary. Or they may just have to throw him into a package to get rid of him. Um, but maybe the Jazz will decide, hey, let's hold on to Burks. Let's see if he can raise his trade value next year. Because um, really, with how injured he's been um, and the struggles he's had, he can't lose any more value um, if he's still injury prone next year and he doesn't really improve at all, you're no worse for your wear. Maybe you try to dump him at the deadline instead. Um, but that's, like I said, that's the only situation I can see where the Jazz may hold on to Burks to see if he can increase his value. Otherwise, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Utah looks to do a, a move just to dump his salary this year because he has largely underachieved. There's no way around that. Um, the next one is Derek Favors. Honestly, this is the hardest situation for me. He was so great in 2015-16, you know, despite the injuries. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, I was actually at the game against the Indiana Pacers where Derek Favors had his career high. It was an overtime game. And I just thought, wow, this guy has arrived. He's going to be so good. I also think back to those games at the end of that year against the, the Rockets, especially the one where he had that game-clinching dunk. And even, I mean, you throw in a game one against the Clippers this year where we had some moments where you almost thought, man, that looks like the Favors of old. But the problem was at no point this season was he anywhere close to healthy. You know, that marks two years where he's really, really struggled with injuries. 
Uh, and that's scary. That's something to worry about for sure. Is he going to fit um, in with the Jazz moving forward with those injury struggles? Um, personally, I think if the Jazz could have even a 2015-16 version of Favors with no improvement, just his ceiling in 2015-16, if they could have that healthy for 82 games, I would definitely encourage them to hold on to him. I don't think they'll get much back in return for him that's better than that. But that's the big question, right? Whether he can become that or, or whether he's just going to be an injury um, liability once again. The nice thing about Favors is that I do think that teams remember how good he was um, unlike someone like Burks, who has pretty much lost all his value. So I think Favors is very valuable in a trade for the Jazz. Um, one thing that might be on Utah's mind, too, as far as trading Favors, is that his contract is up at the end of this upcoming year. Um, just kind of as an example, when I talked about Paul George earlier, you know, kind of the, the worry about him is that he's going to be a one-year rental. But you look at Favors, and after this year, he could very well, no, he'll, he'll be a free agent. He could very well go somewhere else. And maybe the Jazz look at Favors and they're like, you know what? There's a good chance that he's a one-year rental too at this point. Why not trade him for a better one-year rental? Or better yet, why don't we move Favors that's gonna work for someone that's going to work better in our long-term plans anyway? Um, so I, I do think there is an advantage to trading Favors when you look at it that way. He's probably Utah's most valuable trade piece outside of maybe their picks or obviously untouchables like Rudy Gobert. Um, and then wrapping up with Favors, I guess the big question is, do I personally think he can get back to form? Um, honestly, I wish I had an answer to that, but quite frankly, with all the issues he's had, uh, for me, it, it's a flip of the coin. I'd say 50, 50, I'd love to say, yes, he can get back and maybe he does and he's dominant. Um, uh, but maybe not, maybe we've seen the best of favors and now he's going to be, uh, as Mark asked me, uh, maybe he's going to be a lost cause. And um, either way, trading favors is going to be a risk. We don't know what the future holds for him. But I'd say at this point, you know, considering everything, if the Jazz um, can get the right return for him, I would not argue with the decision to move him at all. The next guy I want to talk about is Rodney Hood. And honestly, I think that Hood has kind of created a, a divide in Jazz fans. You know, some really like him. Some are really frustrated with him. You know, the one side says that he's a great shooter. He's a great scorer. He's young. He has a lot of upside. The other side of that argument says that, you know, they're frustrated with his inconsistency, with his injuries. And I think you can justify both cases. There's an argument to be had on both sides. For me personally, um, I am a little bit more on the negative side of the fence, but maybe not for the reason you'd think. Let me explain a little bit. I mean, the injuries are, are most definitely annoying. Uh, they're certainly a concern. His streakiness is also frustrating. I mean, he did shoot 37% from three on the year, and for his career, he's right around 36% from three, which aren't bad numbers by any means, uh, but he's just so up and down. I mean, it feels like he'll have, you know, some games where he goes five for five. Um, next game, he'll go six for six or five of seven, you know, things like that. And then he'll have a stretch of five to six games where he's going one of five, oh for six, two of seven. And it's just his ups and his downs are so wide that it can be frustrating. Um, but again, that, that's part of being a young player. Those aren't the things that frustrate me. For me, what bugs me the most about Hood is just his decision making on the floor. If Hood has a wide open three point shot and he misses, I don't care. That's, that's a great shot. I can totally live with that. But when he takes them contested or way too early in the shot clock or with other guys open, it really drives me nuts. And what's worse is when some, sometimes he's a ball stopper. I don't know how many times I remember watching him that he would he'd catch the ball outside of the perimeter, he'd dribble, he'd dribble, the shot clock would be going down, he'd drive to the elbow, the shot clock would be out to expire, he'd throw up a contested shot, and he'd miss. And just, oh, it would make me shake my head every single time. And just those kind of poor decisions and not being willing to share the ball as much as I'd like him kind of bother me. Uh, that's been one thing. But what really was the final straw for my opinion on Hood actually came in his end-of-year interviews. 
And I think any of you that watched him, you could tell that Rodney was clearly irritated. Um, He expressed a lot of frustration coming off the bench. And he said very matter-of-factly, I'm a starter. And uh, now I'm about to get nitpicky here, so so bear with me a little bit. Um, But it wasn't so much what he said. It wasn't the fact that he said, I'm a starter. Um, Because I like guys who want to compete, that want to earn that starting position. But to me, it was more how he said it. It's not like he said, you know, I wasn't the starter at the end of this year but I want to work hard this offseason. I'm going to prove to you all that I'm a starter. It, I didn't take it that way. More it sounded to me like it was a complainy, almost whiny, that, hey, I deserve to be the, the starter. I was wronged. I was in the wrong situation. And maybe I'm off base on this, guys, but that's really how I took it when I saw his end-of-year interview. And really, it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, my response to Rodney on that is, if you're the starter, then play like one. Prove that you deserve it. You were awful in the playoffs. You were absolutely unreliable, and it hurt us big time. Um, I will say that Quinn's rotations aren't always perfect. I mean, I think that the, um, the the point guard carousel that we had to go through this year is proof of that. But starting Joe Ingles over Rodney Hood was absolutely the right decision. And just that that fact that, that Rodney expressed that he, he feels like he's the starter and the way that he said it, um, I just didn't like that because you look at the Jazz and overall they seem like a team that they're all willing to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. I don't see Ingles complaining about coming off the bench. You know, uh, Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw, who were veterans obviously, but they weren't complaining about coming off the bench. And if Rodney Hood is not going to understand his role, if he's not going to be willing to do whatever's asked of him, um, then I can see the Jazz looking to move him. I mean, I think he has a ton of potential. I'd love to see him really step it up next year and stay healthy, um, really find his spot on this team, really find his role and live up to to really what I think he can do. Um, But if the Jazz have an intriguing trade that requires them to give up Hood, based on what we know about him right now, both on his attitude, his style of play, um, and also his his injury history, then I really think that they they should be willing to trade him. So last guy I'll talk about is Trey Lyles. And honestly, I was really optimistic about Lyles at the end of last year and in the summer league going into this year. And I was shocked at how bad he was this year. It really surprised me. I do think he's too young to give up on. I definitely can see him bouncing back. Um, He has some value right now, you know, in a trade just because of his youth and upside, not a ton. Um, So I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to trading him. Um, But unless a team comes to Utah with a trade proposal that the Jazz simply can't turn down and that team wants Lyles in there to sweeten the deal, then I would hope that they hold on to him, give him a chance to prove himself. I still think Lyles has a lot in his tank. He has a, has a lot of ways he could improve. So that would be my take on him. Um, that, that's going to wrap it up for today, you guys. Um, really hope you enjoyed the show. One last thing before I go, just want to say make sure you check out some of our content on purpleandblues.com. Uh, we just put up an awesome consensus mock draft. A lot of stuff about who the Jazz should pick. Some great pieces on trade rumors. Also, make sure you download the Purple and Blues app. Really great way to get news right to your phone. Really convenient way. And until next time, let's hope we have some great news to talk about after the the draft on Thursday night. And I look forward to chatting with you about it then. So long, everybody.